Hey, what's going on? Greetings and good day, and welcome to episode number 202 of Birds All Day. My name is Drew Fairservice, and we are coming to you here live in uh, mid to late February already. Spring training is uh, underway. It's still in the stand around and uh, talk about what the season is going to be like. Days of spring training. No official Grapefruit League games yet. We are still getting feverish live BP updates from poor, poor cabin cra- cabin fever crazed beat writers across the world. We're learning about um, all kinds of fun stuff. Apparently, baseball players don't play Fortnite anymore, which is really important to know. So, so we're going to talk about all about all that good, very, very important. Blue Jays related material and uh, and joining me as always old reliable uh, old reliable Mr. Stoughton Andrew Stoughton Stoughton how are you yeah I'm pretty good you're joining me as always to discuss these uh, these very important topics <laughs> yeah we uh, we really cover uh, a wide ranging and fascinating uh, uh, number of issues don't we uh, no more Fortnite that's that's crazy to me apparently it's Apex Legend is the new game which is does not look too dissimilar from Fortnite, other than I don't. It's probably just not lousy with preteens like Fortnite is, although that's probably foolish to assume that it is not lousy with preteens. It's a, it's a free game, another free game. So Fortnite's free. That's the big draw, or was, but now everyone's too good. You can't just like wander in and play because you're you're a sitting duck. You have a kick me sign on you. It's sort of like poker, really. Yeah, I got money to play that though. Yeah, I suppose. That's but you're true. right. The, the, that's the problem with poker, I think, and is the same as Fortnite in that the recreational player pool has dried up. And you can't, it's almost like you can't expect to just walk into the casino on a Friday night and win. You're going to get smoked. And uh, same with Fortnite. Me, I, I'm, I'm, I have the best of both those worlds where I get to be bad at both those things, uh, even though I try to enjoy them. I don't bother with Fortnite anymore. Why would I? I'm, I'm too busy being bad at Destiny. And play, <laughs> I, I will say as an aside, I played FIFA online for the first time yesterday. I played FIFA for like long, long time. Mm-hmm. I would just do like a career mode or a manager or whatever. I went, I waded into the online waters. And it's cool because you, when you're not experienced, they pick opponents based on your team and kind of your track record. So I was uh, West Ham. Of course. And I played a, I was in a pitched battle. Against someone using uh, Roma, it was quite the it was quite the matchup. I was quite happy to fall to a two one uh, defeat, but it was uh, it was a good game. I scored first, and then I was like, okay, well, I'm not good enough, so I need to pick a worse team, which is delightful logic. So then uh, the the wonderful the the uh, the the tart not Tartanami but uh, the Rangers Glasgow Rangers. I took on uh, Club America. Ooh. What a match! Which I, yeah, and the, and then the, the t- <laughs> Tigris. So apparently, Scotland and Mexico, the Liga MX, are uh, the same. That's what I learned from FIFA yesterday. That is, uh, I think, being a little nice to the the Scottish Premier League at this stage, but okay. Well, at the top, the two, the two good, te- well, the one and a half good teams. Right. Rangers don't even qualify anymore. Yeah, uh, as a good team, but Celtic is good, obviously. I mean, and Tigris, they didn't they beat? Uh, it was Club America that beat TFC. In the Champions League last year, right? I don't remember. But anyway, TFC canceled. Yeah. They, oh, my God. Yeah. No, but they, uh, they beat Tigris last year, I believe, and then lost. And lost to Club America. Yeah. Uh, back, you know, anyway. Back when they were good. You know. 
Oh, the other thing I was going to say. So uh, if you, I don't know if you follow Lindsay Adler, your colleague, Lindsay Adler. Mm-hmm. She has – this is the important spring training content. Tommy Canley. Canley? Conley? Whatever. Reliever for the Yankees, one of their many uh, unhittable goons. He had a bit of a coffee thing. Not quite a, not quite a Troy Percival. Oh, yeah, did you see this? I did see this, yeah. So this entire exchange is the highlight of spring training for me. Because this is like, it's these kinds of things that come out of spring training. So Tommy Conley uh, had to cut back on coffee because he was drinking five cups of coffee a day and like two or three Red Bulls, I guess, which is a lot of caffeine. Which made me think, because I'm old, about Troy Percival... Because back in the day, Troy Percival used to drink 10 cups of coffee and two tins of chew a day. (laughs) (laughs) So he got like all jittery and like his heart didn't work right anymore. So he cut back. So the Yankees guy was like, yeah, I'm cutting back from whatever, four cups of coffee to two. And it was big news. And then uh, I can't, I don't know if I'll, I probably won't pronounce her name, her last name correctly. Emma Baccalari, is that how you... Well, that, she doesn't have a baseball reference page where I can just look up that is indeed Canely, Tommy Canely. Canely. Uh, Emma, I'm, I don't even want to try. Yeah, these are all so these Emma, are all people I've, I, you know, I know from the internet world, but I've never right ever considered having to actually pronounce one of their last names. So Emma writes for Sports Illustrated, uh, having previously written for Deadspin and some other places, as as Lindsay wrote for Deadspin as well. So Emma had a bold confession, which was that when she was in college. She made coffee, but instead of with water, she boiled Red Bull, which is (laughs) (laughs) truly amazing to think about. And and I was I was supportive of this choice that Emma made in college and then owned up to now in the present day because people were rightfully horrified by this insane set of decisions that led to her unfortunate demise, apparently. When she was young, but uh, I think that is bold and visionary thinking to really like infuse a, a drink that is just right on the borderline between poison and not poison, and add caffeine, add coffee to it, just caffeinate it up even more. To me, terrific. That's the kind of thinking we need. The kids, they're all right. <laughs> yeah, I just I wonder if the boiling would maybe boil off some of that delicious poison in the Red Bull that would make it, you know, would neutralize its uh, ability to ultra-caffeinate yourself. I, I, but also, like, in the old, like, blog jail days, I seem to recall Dustin Parks would have, like, two monster energy drinks and we would be horrified. And this is just, like, such a scale beyond that. He would. I, I don't know that he still is on that, but... Uh... <laughs> It's a lot. I mean, he used to have two of those massive monster yeah. energy drinks, <laughs> yeah. which are, they, that's a horrifying concoction is what that is. But uh, I mean, I, I don't know. There's a, there's a limit to how much coffee you can drink. Do you, do you drink a lot of coffee? I drink a, not really. No, I mean, I drink a little bit of coffee. I'll like most days I'll make one and have maybe a second cup after that. But, mm-hmm. um, no, that's that's really about it. But I'm I'm fortunate where there are not a lot of hours where if I'm like exhausted and want to sleep, I can't just be like, well, I'm gonna gonna fucking lie down. So uh, I get it for the idea of like powering through, you know, mm. a regular ass work life. I will say the coffee is delightful, and 
and and has more value than just as a stimulant. Um, it's yeah, you know I what really I do. I keep decaf in the house because I will occasionally want to have some at night, like I'm my fucking grandparents, uh, but don't want to, you know, be, keep myself up for, uh, which is bizarre because I'm up until goddamn seven in the morning anyway. It's funny because you said I like I am my grandparents, and then you proceeded to talk just like them by saying, "Oh, I don't want to be up all night." Like if you <laughs> right? if you gotta you gotta commit if you're gonna drink a coffee, decaf is not it, but. Uh, I, I now work back close to where we used to work uh, at the score and there are so many coffee places in, in that vicinity that it is, it is shocking the amount of coffee that is just out there to drink. And there are people, you know, oh, I want to go for a coffee. And uh, when I go for a coffee out in any of these places, I inevitably and invariably get an Americano, which is like a, that's a lot of coffee things there. And it's great. But then I get the the vibrations and the heart palpitations and like the sea smelling color and things of that nature, <laughs> which you know you could do worse. Yeah, yeah, I you could so. always do worse. You know, down Speaking, d- downtown hmm? Peterborough, we've got some we've, we've got some nice coffee options. Believe it or not, uh, they've, they've managed to keep Tim's and Starbucks out of downtown Peterborough, which is good. So uh, Starbucks, interesting. Starbucks, uh, they are legion. They're everywhere. Starbucks, but you know what they do say that the best the best thing for an independent coffee place is a Starbucks across the street. Yeah, I suppose tends to drive business up, yeah. which is cool. Makes sense. Makes sense actually. You know, you know, counterintuitive way. I suppose uh, get, get all those hippies, you know, protesting the the big business. You know, by hippies I mean you know <laughs> regular moral people. now speaking of being jittery and overly excited and unable to contain oneself uh blue jays are in spring training everybody's in camp including vladimir Guerrero jr and the excitement level around his arrival and all of the first things that happened uh was palpable people are ready there was a big media, I don't know, well, it sounded like there's a big media crush. Um, I think it was, uh, oh, what's his name? I can't remember, the kind of the business of sports guy. Do you, he's on primetime sports sometimes now? Um, the, uh, oh, uh, Richard, uh, Richard Deitch? Richard Deitch? Yes. Yeah. yeah. He, he made know. a point where, so the, there's a video that Hazel May shot where, there's Vlad. He emerges from the room and wanders down the door, down down the hallway, and all you can hear is like the the cameras going off, and it's like there's a 19 year old kid who's just like wandering over, and then it becomes like the deconstructing of his build, and people realizing again for the first time that he's a gigantic man, and uh, but like big smile, and everyone's so excited, and there was like a big round of Vlad stories, and then there was another big round of Vlad stories, and then you get all the fun anecdotes, not not making coffee with Red Bull fun from training <laughs> anecdotes, but like David Travis talking about how you can, you know, who's hitting right. without looking. And I, like, I, I, I could read that kind of shit all day, every day. Let there be no doubt. If, if they go through 24 other guys on the, or 40 other guys on the Blue Jays roster and they just say, say the same thing about Vlad's BP sessions. I'll read every single one. I will listen to every sound clip. It is, yeah. it is, it is like 
mana from heaven. I can't get it up. It's yeah, <laughs> it's it, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, uh, I I don't know if you caught Stephen Brunt was on one of the Sportsnet shows, the uh, Good Show, one of their. I don't know if that's the afternoon, mid-afternoon one, or mid-morning one, whatever it is. That's uh, the mid-afternoon one with uh, with Ben Ennis. And, yes, uh, and, uh, and Jamie Bunkus. Bunkus. That's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 And Brunt, Justin Bourne. Oh, right. That's right. That's right. And, uh, and Brunt was like, "Yeah, he like Vlad hit <laughs> Vlad hit a ball about that was you know about four feet off the ground when he hit it." And it hit the center field fence at about four feet off the ground and, like, just did not have an arc to it, basically. You know, just, you know shit like that. It was just, you know, everybody gathering around to watch him and, and seeing what everybody sees and whatever, you know, what has made the hype what it is. That uh, mm-hmm. he's just um, super special. And uh, this didn't come from that, but I really liked this week. Uh, there's a great piece at uh, Future Blue Jays where they talked to uh, Gil Kim. Uh, you know, sort of ran down a lot of uh, a lot of stuff, a lot of a lot of really interesting information about uh, guys on the new coaching staff, and obviously, you know, they're going to talk up the guys they just hired. But I thought, you know, it was kind of interesting to see uh, just the blend of guys that they're bringing in and stuff. But he also had some Vlad stuff, and I tweeted about this. But he uh, Kim said that he was uh, at a showcase that Vlad didn't have to attend. I assume uh, he didn't say, but I assume it was probably because. Uh, you know, he'd already agreed to sign with the Blue Jays. You know how you're not supposed mm. to do that, but they'll do it. So he was like, he said that he he was at a showcase. It was two towns over from Vlad's hometown when Vlad was like 14 or 15. And, you know, other kids are going through the stuff and the scouts are all watching. And like Vlad like pops his head over the, the fence because he'd just been playing softball with his cousin on the field next door. Mm-hmm. Like, because it was mm-hmm. like a Sunday and he's just like, all right, I'm doing, you know, I'm like a professional baseball player, even though I'm 14, basically at this point. And then on my off day, I'm just going to go a couple towns over and play softball because he just, you know, he can't get enough of being out there. And and, and that, uh, I don't know, that, that almost, maybe it doesn't, but that to me is like, okay, that, that feels like a good sign that all the cameras going off and all the other shit is, uh, you know, that he's maybe not going to have to, you know, it's not going to affect him like it would uh, a normal person. He just wants to be out there and he's obviously used to it with his dad and, uh, it sounds you know his dad is in his ear too, right? There was that quote. Was it uh, Marley Rivera at ESPN was talking about, uh, or was it Vlad himself? Maybe said that his dad was like, oh, you know, just follow Kendry's around. He, you know, when he was a rookie with the Angels, that mm-hmm. like Kendry's followed Vlad Senior around, just you know, watched everything he did. You know, wanted to you know wanted to see how to how to be great, how to be a pro, and then and mm. Vlad Senior told Junior, you know. He he knows follow him, and uh, and that I think you know underlines why, despite all the the things that everybody said about Kendrick Morales over the last couple of years, uh, perhaps why he's managed to stick around this long. Absolutely, I mean it, uh, that this is a topic that we will we will get to later on in the show as well. But the this whole um, I, I love the idea that Vlad is really dedicated and driven to be good. Uh, that's something that I know. Caitlin McGrath, uh, your colleague, mm-hmm. uh, uh, your occasional editor, I believe as well, um, has touched upon that as well. Uh, you know, talking, uh, talking to him, um, you know, via the tra- uh, interpreter tra- translator at the Jays Winterfest. And just, he has a, that the, 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 uh, the aura is the vibe that he puts out and, and the things that he says is that 
you know, he he's happy to be here. He's confident. He knows that he's good, but he doesn't seem to rest on his laurels. He seems to be determined to continue to get better and like do the things that are required to be good, which is uh, exciting. It's really exciting, and it reminds me of that the Trevor Bauer piece, which we could probably do like an entire Jesus, hour yeah. <laughs> just talking about that that insane Trevor Bauer story. But but you know. It, just because Vlad's dad is a ball player doesn't mean that he is some kind of born phenom who just fell out of bed and and learned how and knew how to hit. Like there's work he puts the work in and he is he is dedicated to it and it's great to see that he like you know you to your future Blue Jay story that he just loves it as well. He loves to put the work in. It seems like or if he does love to put the work in, then that's going to bode well for him and. Uh, and well for Blue Jays fans as well. Yeah, and I mean, I think the the whole idea, you know, the fact that his dad's a ball player and was, you know, obviously a Hall of Famer, uh, you know, yeah, part of that, part of the appeal of somebody with that, that, those kind of, you know, you talk about bloodlines, but the Jays would tell you and the other teams would tell you, you know, it's also about having seen what it takes to be great and what, you know, the effort that goes into doing that all the time. You know, you don't, that's not something that when a guy like that arrives, you know, a lot of guys probably, I mean, They've been through organized ball. They've been, you know, all the way up. But, uh, but you know, there, you know, there, there are the the things that separate the all these guys. You know, anybody who's getting drafted is super fucking talented, uh, and the you know the things that can separate them. Maybe you know, I, I think a lot of times players have to learn over time. You know what it really takes and the dedication and and to have a guy like Vlad to who has grown up and watched, you know mm-hmm. what what the you know what it takes. Uh, to to be at the top of this game where, you know, all the best pitchers in the world are trying to get you out. Uh, you know, I think that's obviously part of the appeal uh, to the bloodline thing too, even though it sort of becomes a catch-all where you think, oh, it's, yeah, because they're just, you know, genetically programmed people to be good at this game when that's, you know, not necessarily the case. Absolutely not. And, and the, the one example that I always come back to and it always makes me think is the when the last few years in the NBA where LeBron James Oh LeBron oh, LeBron James LeBron James Oh LeBron James so LeBron <laughs> has been facing off against the against the Warriors and Steph Curry where Curry is the underdog because he's smaller now which does both of those players a great disservice now it does LeBron a disservice because just because he's big is not the reason that he is the best uh player to ever play the game right yeah. the fact that he's in his 15th season and is still like this well some might argue that he's not in shape right now but it's all relative but like that's hard work that made Le- lebron james it's same it's hard work that made steph curry he's not the best three-point shooter of all time because his dad was a great three-point shooter they're different men they have different builds he put those shots up he put that work in he worked on his handle worked on getting that space the fact that his dad was in the NBA maybe it made a lot of those things easier. But like you said, you see the you see you know what it takes. You know the the the, the roadmap exists for you, and you have to have a, maybe a better understanding of of what it takes to to follow that roadmap and go down that path and what it means. Long days at the ballpark and time in the cage and eating, you know, ba- boiled boiled chicken or boiled vegetables and chicken and rice every single meal for six months at a time as you're trying to 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 keep your body where it needs to be to survive the grueling grind of a major league baseball season so 
it's exciting. And uh, right at this point, right now, everything is exciting with Flat. Everything is exciting. Everything is is larger than life. Every BP session, every you know, ground ball. You know, he's taking ground balls at third base with with Brandon Jury, and all the cameras are out, and the good cameras and the bad cameras, and everything ends up. We all just are just gobbling it all up. It's it's a nice time right now because the ugliness is still just ahead, uh, just around the next curve. But for now, there he is. Right? Yeah. No, it's, it's true. I'm just sort of, I, I'm pondering now where, you know, when the, when we're going to get through that curve or more, where, where that curve is going to start. Because obviously, uh, I think he's probably going to do okay in the spring. Like, he's, he's going to, you know, he's, he's Vlad. It, it, it would be surprising if he didn't, you know, crush a bunch of, Guys who are, you know, fighting to be the 25th man on the fucking Orioles, right? Like, <laughs> he could put up some video game stats in the spring. And, you know, the Blue Jays are going to do what they're going to do, obviously. Um, and, yeah, there, there, will, there will be that noise. There will be all that. And then also, you know, two months from now, what, two, yeah, two, well, tonight's the, right now it's the 21st. It's just about the 22nd. Uh, mm. Two months from now, then it's all over, and, and we don't have to talk about service time manipulation ever again until Bobichet. <laughs> uh, well, last week we talked about potential starting. Has that moved for you at all? Yeah, my, well, I guess my joke about nothing. I, I I still wouldn't totally put it past them to to like try to keep them from being super two, but. I don't know. I, I think that I think it's hopefully the year of control is enough. I mean, he's he's they're, they're going to have to pay him anyway, right? I mean, he's uh, you presumably. I mean, it is it is so weird that we're you know projecting so much greatness onto this kid, uh, but he's just such a not you know not a regular prospect, obviously. Uh, but it's still you know I catch myself being like, well, you know, just assuming that. In year three, if he's not a super two, you know he's going to be one of those guys where they don't just pay him the league minimum; they give him, you know, a million, a million and a half, just because. Okay, we get it. We're just stealing value from you right now by paying mm. you like absolutely nothing compared to what you're worth. So maybe that's okay for them. Maybe him being super two, I don't know. Um, and then you get the you get jokers who. I saw a couple this week on Twitter who would be like, oh, well, he'll be Super 2 anyway, and then his last year of arbitration, he'll get paid like a top free agent anyway, so who cares if they steal that from him? And uh, that's enough. That's uh, I know that cancelled is cancelled now, but I'm like, get that shit out of my face. Cancelled is cancelled? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think cancelled is cancelled, isn't it? I try to keep well, up with the kids, but I, you know, you start talking about fucking Fortnite, and i was like oh let's drag this back to poker something i can understand <laughs> uh i think that the number one sign that canceled is canceled is when you and i are discussing it. yeah that's actually an excellent point that is a nail in directly <laughs> into the coffin i uh, i don't yeah we don't need to get in to go down the same road again about what it's going to mean if he if he gets to be a super two or what he's going to get, be getting paid and 
Oh, it's just so grim. But again, I, I, by that time, also there there will be a new CBA, mm-hmm. presumably. Yeah, well, uh, or or they'll be in the middle of a gigantic lockout. Let us all <laughs> what, excitedly wait for that. The, the fucked up thing is, sorry to to hijack, mm-hmm. but the fucked up thing is, it's that you know, you know, there's that whole this whole grim side of the coin, but then the other is like. Holy shit! It's like, like just the whole baseball world is like Vlad, Vlad, Vlad. Like, like you know, you got to see this kid. It's an exciting uh, time to you know if you can put push that stuff aside and think about the fact that you know it's not going to be long before this guy starts what's hopefully going to be longer than a seven year run as a as a Blue Jay. Like that's uh, that's pretty incredible. I mean, that's something that. Uh, Something that you like, we always think of this, you know, the rebuild, quote unquote, that they're kind of going. It's like those are the guys you you tank and rebuild for. Like it's already the fruits of that are here, uh, and if you can kind of get past the bullshit, like the service time stuff, like the fact that they didn't sign anybody or do much this off season, and that they're like every other team and aren't trying to actually, you know, win games so much uh, this year. It's it's you know, there's a lot to be pretty fucking excited about. There is, there there is. Well, uh, yes, there is, but also there's not. But there is. <laughs> there there is a lot of um, like uh, not maybe not table setting isn't the right word, but obviously this is like uh, this is the pre the, the prelude to the really exciting stuff, which is a competitive a team built and designed to win baseball games. Watching the individual stuff and 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 the players are absolutely you know, Bichette, Bo Bichette in particular. Uh, I am excited to see him play uh, because he sounds like he is a will be a very engaging player on the field. All the dirty uniform stuff, the insane base running, and just the vibe. His energy is what baseball needs, and hopefully, like you say, will kind of drag us out of the goofy doldrums of these teeny little value plays that go on and on and on and wondering about Brandon Drury, maybe you can pull it all together and whatever it might be. But you you, t- you sort of touched on it and I, and I want to uh, play a little game with you, a br- very brief game. So there is a <laughs> okay. story that is about... The most, you know, it starts out with the most interesting story this year in Dunedin is, of course, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He's, and he's kind of pushing the Blue Jays into a corner, which is to lie or to fib is the copy that they went with there. So, so Vladimir Guerrero Jr., his play versus the Blue Jays' interest in keeping him down to start the season, whatever. So here is, uh, I'm going to read a line and then I'm going to stop and I need you to fill in the blank with the name of the player that was included in this story. Okay. Guerrero. Matt Sundin. (laughs) Close. (laughs) Guerrero is the most feverishly anticipated prospect for the Blue Jays since... Fill in the blank. Travis Snyder. Incorrect. You got to go back a little bit further. Carlos Delgado? Nope. You got to go back. A little bit further still. Really? Mm-hmm. Danny Ainge. 
you know, he's gonna he was yeah. gonna be a great defensive shortstop. It's a little not not quite uh, well that same era, different player. This is a his. This is a name that has is uh, a name of infamy in Blue Jays history. Oh, that guy! Because you can't remember his name, but you know who I mean. I do. What the fuck is his name? Yeah, it's a little bit before my time. It is. It is. Um, Especially before I, the "Who gives a shit about prospect?" Time. <laughs> but I do, I do know the I do know the guy you mean, and he does have a name. Please, please. His name is Sil Camposano. Oh, so, yes. Yeah, of course. Sil Camposano. So, maybe uh, some of the younger fans might not remember that the Blue Jays were very early uh, in the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. They were one of the first teams to set up a, an academy down there. So maybe what another way of saying this is, this is all the Blue Jays' fault. What What's going on today and the human trafficking, or what isn't but is close to it, uh, could be pinned on the Blue Jays. Uh, of course, Alfredo Griffin, Tony uh, Tony Fernandez, George Bell. George Bell is a Rule Five guy. Though. Yeah, I should, indeed. I should uh, check myself. But anyway, yeah. Well, Alfredo Griffin was a rookie of the year in 1981, and it was like they they uh, I think Domaso Garcia as well, maybe. But anyway, still Camposano was like this top prospect that uh, was the talk of the town in 1985 or so. Um, now. It's important to put into perspective again how just how good Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is and how well he hits baseballs. Where Camposano was a shortstop who, at uh, in the Sally League, he put up a nine forty nine OPS, which is good at at, eight, at nineteen in the Sally League. That's good. He went up to Double A and didn't quite hit as well, but still uh, acquitted himself quite nice, quite nicely. And then uh, never really got his career off the off the right. But Sil Camposano was the name that, that they went for mm-hmm. in this story, which is um, I don't know. Vlad Guerrero Jr. is not Sil Camposano. <laughs> it's on a whole other level, a whole entirely other level. And and this yeah. was this is we'll, we'll move on from 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 Vlad. But I'm a couple of people have said like what who could would be the last prospect of this level blue chip style prospect who would it be that busted or that wasn't what they thought it would be and i've had a hard time coming up with a name realistically yeah yeah that is tough um like well because there just aren't that many prospects of that level right Mm-hmm. Um, true. Like, how would you? How are you defining it? Like, uh, like, do they have to be the number one prospect in the, you know, on, on the BA list or something? Mm-hmm. So here, here's a name that I'm gonna come. I'm gonna throw out there that I, a few people may have heard me or seen me use a few times before, but this is the na- This is the comp that I am loath to make. Mm-hmm. But it's Delman Young. Yeah, he was a yeah. I don't think he was. I don't think he was that. But Delman Young, uh, ahead of the two thousand and four season, he was the number three prospect in baseball on Baseball America. Before the two thousand and five season, he was number three. Before two thousand and six, he was number one. And then ahead of two thousand and seven, he was still number three. 
Um, Which is crazy. Uh, I mean, Delman Young was 18 in the Sally League, and he put up a 926 OPS, which is like obviously very good, very respectable. He hit 25 home runs in 130 games. He you know, struck out a lot, but whatever. He was really young, and then he hit a triple-A pretty well. But again, even Del- so Delman Young, now Delman Young is, is a bust in a lot of ways because he was a below-league average hitter who... But he's also a guy who came to, he got 4,000 plate appearances in the big leagues. So it's hard to say that he's even that much of a bust. Now, if we're sitting here in 10 years talking about Vlad Guerrero Jr. in similar to- ways to Delman Young, well, we're all fucked. Yeah. Like that's, there, there's no get, there's no recovering from that. <laughs> uh, Matt Weeters, maybe? But again, Weeters is a guy who's going to be, Gonna play for because he's a catcher. Yeah, he's gonna play for a really long time. He probably won't have made as much money as you would have thought. But Weeders was the number one prospect in baseball. But but like so few people ever hit like he hit. You know? Yeah. No. No. It's worth remembering. It's worth remembering that there are the there are the chances, but even the guys who come as close as could be to being to- not washouts, but like bust. Delman Young, who was a terrible defender, um, never it's hit, the, never hit for the power. Terrible in the big lot of things. Yeah. Oh, is it, I think he was he was a bad person. Did he throw? The, is he the threw the bat guy? I think there was that he threw somebody. Didn't he throw someone down the, the stairs and while making anti-Semitic remarks or something like that. I hope that, I yeah, hope it was, I hope it was Delman Young. Yeah. Cause I hope I'm not slandering Delman Young by suggesting it. And it was somebody else. But I mean, so yeah, he was never, I mean, he never hit more than 20. He hit 20 home runs one year. He, he, he hit 280 for his, he's a 280 hitter for his career. 4,000 at bats. A lot of people would take that. Most, most every other pl- prospect in the J system, if you walked up to them and said, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to flash, fast forward you in life. Uh, you are going to, instead of being 21 or whatever, however old you are, Jordan Groshans, you're going to be uh, 35 and you are going to have Delman Young's career. In a way, you'd be crazy not to take it. Yeah. Delman Young made an, an up, in upwards of $20 million in his career. Again, he came to play 4,000 times. He had more than 100 home runs. That's pretty good. But you wouldn't trade what where Vlad is. That's I would. I'll let it ride. I'm gonna roll those dice. Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. So there are. It's hard to find a prospect who is as highly regarded. And again, even Delman Young, who hit like crazy in the low minor leagues when he was way younger than everybody else, he still, you know, struck out four times as often as he walked. Just little things like that. That. Vlad walks as more than he strikes out, and he hits for power, and he hits for average, and he's a teenager. It's good. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> like you said, it's like the talk of baseball in a lot of ways. You know, the Marley Rivera from ESPN, you know, is there covering him in Dunedin. All the national writers are all going to make their pilgrimage over, as especially as the games start, and there's a chance to see him do it in game, do it against big league pitching. As you know, if it's a guy who's working on something or only throwing fastballs or whatever it is that he's doing, you get a chance to see him do his thing. Yeah. Get a chance to ask it's him exciting. afterwards to piss him off and be like, oh, what did what, did you miss when, like, did you throw a good pitch and Vlad just hit it anyway? It's, it's going to be delightful. 
It will be delightful. Now, speaking of delightful, Marcus Stroman going the fuck off, also delightful to me. Maybe I'm in the minority there. I'm definitely in the minority there. But, uh, you know, Marcus Stroman had a very fiery or very uh, full of opinion uh, opening presser. Uh, I guess that was on Sunday, just at the beginning or the beginning of the week, at the opening of camp, which is uh, really, ex- which was uh, crazy in a lot of ways. He went off. He said a lot of things um, that are not necessarily out of character for Marcus Stroman. It, he's had a lot of things that attract the, all, all the same kind of negative attention that it's always going to attract. Like, sure, Marcus Stroman, we love the fire, but go pitch. You're not the GM. Sure, Marcus Stroman, it's good that you have these opinions, but you had an ERA over five last year. That's, these are all the sort of things that I saw yeah. over and over yeah. and over. Um, but it's cool that he's lobbying, like actively lobbying <laughs> the front office to make the team better. Bless him. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he's not he's not wrong about that. Absolutely. I I don't think there was much that he was really wrong about. I know, and like you say, people will will oddly, you know, oh, I don't mind him saying it, but oh, he's doing it in the wrong way. It's like, well, I, I don't know. He's a he's a he's a grown ass man. He can choose to to speak his mind however he wants, and and uh, perhaps because you don't like it, that's that's part of what. Uh, you know what motivates him to be like no fuck it i'm just going to i'm going to say what i want to say uh and you know i think it was like i think gregor chisholm was saying this and i think other you know other people made the same point it's that we kind of you know you want honesty in athletes you want guys to speak their mind so when they do it's kind of dumb to be like hey whoa uh shut up and pitch you know that stuff's so weird but and 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 you know i wrote about it this week obviously and i so i'm covering some ground that i i said there but it uh you know, it's obviously personal for him. He didn't really, he didn't frame it as I did basically for him as, in terms of, you know, the whole league-wide issue of, you know, teams just not trying and the, the whole tanking phenomenon, which is uh, 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 very convenient for you know, teams that just don't want to spend money uh, or even ones that aren't tanking. You know, the, the, you know it's a, obviously we've talked about it over and over and over again all winter uh, on the mm. show. Uh but yeah, you know, he but he was talking about the same issue only in a way that's very personal to him because you know it's his team and he's out there busting his ass trying to win, trying to be the best pitcher he could be, and uh, he's only at most going to be around for two more years, especially if they haven't offered him a contract extension, which got into some sort of weird David Pricey semantic bullshit, right? Which I, mm. uh, you know, the, the needing to parse like whether a formal offer is what he meant or if, you know, because Atkins later said that uh, that there had been discussions, but that doesn't mean a contract had been offered because, you know, you don't offer a contract if you have discussions and they're like, oh, fuck, we're not on the same page here. Yeah. Uh, or you probably... If you don't, if you don't see the value in offering the extension, maybe maybe your discussions are not very long. But anyway, uh, uh, you know he he obviously sees the team. They're just their their goals are not aligned, right? I mean, he wants to no. be as good as he can right now for these two years. Hit free agency. He wants to be on a team where he can win, where the hard work that he's putting in every day isn't just going to you know so that there are guys to play with the guys who are trying to develop into the next great Blue Jays team that he's not going to be a part of. Uh, 
And, you know, you, you get that, I think. I hope people get that. And I hope people could see past whatever, you know, it is in them that that doesn't like it when somebody uh, speaks their mind like that. Because and, and even if even if you are are of the mind, which I think a lot of fans are that, OK, you know, the the this is kind of necessary because they're, you know, Rogers isn't going to let them spend to bring in a Bryce Harper and to and to repopulate the team with free agents right now. And even if they did, that would probably be dicey because uh, those, you know, the, the those contracts are going to to turn bad eventually as all free agent contracts kind of do. And, uh, and so that, you know, even if you feel absolutely that this is the only way forward for the Blue Jays, you, you understand that, you know, that, that is a, that there's a long-term thing going on and that that's a process that the Blue Jays are involved in and are heavily invested in. And obviously sort of everything they're doing is focused on. And if you're a guy like Stroman, you're kind of not part of it and you're watching all the, you know, the teammates and friends that you've made are going and, and, you know, probably understands that he would have been gone this winter if he had a better season, uh, and that he may be going soon. You know, I, I, I don't know that. It seems to be that that's what people think. Uh, that's uh, uh, and that, uh, you know, I think it, I guess it makes sense, and it does seem like they kind of want a clean slate and to bring in, you know, bring up Vlad and bring up Bobuchet and bring up Danny Jansen and all. You know, have these guys. Come and have the. They talk about culture a lot. I'm kind of going over a lot of the brunt stuff. I think from the from that pod mm-hmm. or the uh, the the radio hit he did, but I but I think he was on point, and I think that you know that uh, for Strowman to feel alienated from what's going on with his team is completely understandable. And you know if he wasn't the kind of guy who you know that that was motivated and angry about stuff like that he wouldn't be as good a pitcher as he is which he is a good pitcher you know the, the to the to the people who would bring up his 5 ERA you know he pitched half the season with his shoulder fucked up or you know the start of the season with his shoulder fucked up and then came back and was fine and was just a, you know pretty much exactly what you would always expect of Marcus Stroman who you know at the start of 2017 he was the MVP of the World Baseball Classic and and had a great year in 2017 and, and was somebody that, you know, is a young star of the game and hit, hit a little speed bump and it make, becomes, you know, easy for uh, for people to pile on. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think that just went away. I mean, this isn't Aaron Sanchez who, as you would, I think, point out, uh, threw strikes for one year. <laughs> this is a guy who I think, uh, uh, you know, is, a, is what we believe that he is. Uh, so... Take your take your five ERA bullshit away, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Listen, listen to the man. It's uh, uh, I I can't imagine Atkins and Shapiro in the front office were is thrilled about it, or Charlie Montoya or whoever else. But mm. uh, I don't know. He has a right to his opinion, and uh, it's not hard to see where he's coming from from the you know from his own standpoint. It is obviously. The Blue Jays last year were had one of the worst defensive teams in the history of, of the club. So his <laughs> yeah. ERA is never going to be that good. But he 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 left his performance did leave something to be desired in 2018. But that does not in any way invalidate any of the things that he said. And and it's funny to me that he was talking about like Carlos Gomez saying like that they need to get Carlos Gomez in there, uh, kind of calling it. I mean it, that one's there weird. Is a that, bit, that, that, that's yeah. <laughs> That's an odd choice, and then Kevin yeah. Pillar is like comes out and being like, "I don't agree." They sort of have this, I don't know. They are uh, he's a pitcher and he's a position player, and never the twain shall meet. But uh, uh, 
while Marcus Stroman here says that and gets a lot of negative attention, you don't have to look like at this time of year, there's a lot of uh, the owner or the president of the club or whomever it is, uh, sort of like a Shapiro slash Edward Rogers uh, uh, analog in all these other cities are doing um, their press. And some of the things that they're saying right now are so galling, like shocking that they're saying these, excuse me, they're saying these words out loud. Uh, the Pirates owner was like, what? Asked why payroll went down. He says, uh, we need to focus on the things we, we believe are controllable. Like somehow the payroll isn't controllable? Like what? Yeah. And then, and then he says, I think payroll scale and range. This is like the pirate zone. This is like, this stuff is crazy to me. Uh, I think payroll <laughs> yeah. scale and range broadly is not controllable. We're going to have certain resources that we have. And I think that, that that's the reality of a marketplace. Now, the Pirates, of course, if they had signed Manny Machado, they still would have a payroll that would be not into nine digits if they had signed Manny like, this <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. That their their payroll is stunningly low. They gave Garrett Cole away, gave him away for nothing. But uh, And then the other thing, uh, there's another great great quote. Of course, Manny Machado, if you don't know, you know, he signed $30, $300 million 10 years or is about to sign uh, that amount. But it's just like... The Padres are here going for it, which is great. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that they were a Machado away, but next year they might have been a Machado away and wouldn't have been able to get him. So that is a smart thing for a team to do because next year Machado will be, what, 27, 28? Like it's, yeah. Uh, that, oh, that, that, that teams weren't falling all over themselves to, to get him. That was, was it you that retweeted uh, – <laughs> or, or that tweeted that you know the Yankees go out and get Tulowitzki and DJ LeMahieu or whatever the fuck they got to mm-hmm. instead instead of you know Machado wants to be a Yankee and uh, can't do well, it. I said can't that, hit that can't hit that luxury tax mm-hmm. threshold. I said the Yankees should have gone to get if they weren't going to get Machado, which they should have. They should have gone for Marwin Gonzalez who's like a really, really interesting and valuable player who would fit in to a team like the Yankees that are that's going to have odd spots to fill all around the diamond. Yeah. Because yep. you don't know, you're not, you know, you don't have Didi back. You don't know like how much you're going to see get from uh, Cleaver Torres. You know that Anahar can't play the can't play third base that well. Let Marwin just float around and fill in and get these guys rest and just play and play and play. No, nah, they went for DJ LeMahieu instead. Um, there's one other quote that I, that I, that came out of the, everyone being, asking the owner or the general manager, like, why didn't you sign Manny Machado? And the Diamondbacks man, uh, owner said, uh, it would not have been appropriate for us to focus on free agent players that are going to demand a very high or long-term deal right now. Oh, not would appropriate. Not be, it's inappropriate. <laughs> oh gosh. Signing Manny Machado, like there is not a single team that, the Padres are, are showing it, that yeah, maybe they're not a, the Manny, a Manny Machado away, but A, they're at least showing a, signs of life, and B, he helps every team get better, every single one. The, the, the Padres are better now. If they're not better, if they're not good enough to win this year, maybe next year, maybe that, but now they have a base upon which to build. They just got it for nothing. They just gave money away, and now they have a really good player on their team. Sounds great. Sounds ideal in a lot of ways. 
Uh, and that, but like, so this is the backdrop that these owners who are just saying like, no, we didn't think we could find a place for Manny Machado in our team. We got David Freeze over there at first base. I don't know if we need to uh, rush out to get a player who's 10 times as good. Um, this is the backdrop against which Marcus Stroman's comments fall. And it's so weird that, that he gets killed for them. And everyone else just kind of turns up their shoulders when an owner is like, no, we're just not going to bother buying, paying for that. We, can't, we would rather not. We, at this time, we prefer not. And and he's getting he's out there just getting getting savage for. It. I mean he's had a lot of crazy stuff. And and but yeah. I I don't know if we talked. Did we talk about this last week? Um, so in in of recently there've been two uh, pitchers who have signed uh, extensions: Aaron Nola mm-hmm. and uh, Luis Severino of the Yankees, who we've, of which we were just who we were just discussing. Uh, for like in the four year forty two million dollar guaranteed range, and then there are some options and stuff tacked on, which. Which to me sounds crazy low. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that that is but part of is, is it? But I mean, but it does. I mean, relative to what pitchers have been getting paid for the last ten years, it does seem low. Well, it, it just and it, I think um, it was touched on in the kind of methodology that the guys at Baseball Prospectus laid out um, in terms of, or was it Baseball? I don't know. One of the one of the prospects thing was saying like. Everyone in the game values pitchers differently now because they there's just so much risk associated mm-hmm. with it, and so and I said something on Twitter like the p- pitchers have now internalized that risk and they recognize that they are viewed as extreme risks. So even if you're Aaron Nola and even if you're Luis Severino and you're really really good and you will traditionally be in a position to earn a very significant amount of money, you you don't know that could all go away tomorrow. So take way, almost whatever they give you. But with that in mind, so Marcus Stroman says that he wants to extend, he wants to sign with the Blue Jays, and he is leveraging his commitment to Toronto and how much he like loves it here, and he touched on it repeatedly, how, how he you know, dies for Toronto, and he comes here and he visits in the winter. He doesn't have to, but he does, and which is cool. And, uh, but he's like negotiating in public in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a shame that it's only, it's only going to work to a very limited extent where the, uh, there's, there's a huge section of the fan base or just sport fans in general who don't want to hear any of that shit from anybody who's a player. They just don't care. No, it's um, true. It's true. So, so, even, so I mean, I, I think I said, we may have talked about this, but like if, if someone came to me and said uh, on Twitter or on Facebook or whatever and said, hey, uh, the Jays should sign... Uh, Marcus Stroman to a four-year, $42 million contract extension, I would have laughed. I would have been like, what the fuck? Like, get real. That's garbage. He's not going to take that kind of money. And now he will not get it. He won't get close <laughs> to that. Yeah. Because if that's what Severino and Nola get, and we, and you know, you, you made a, a, a strong case and we've all talked about it and we know who Marcus Stroman is and what he can be. He's not as good as those two pitchers. Nope. And so there's no way he's going to get paid even what they got. He would be, he would, ha, he would, Marcus Stroman is going to be lucky to get like the J Hap contract when he gets a free agency at this point, the three years and 36 that Hap got three years ago. Yeah, that sounds probably right. No, I, well, you're right though. I mean, those, those contracts, I mean, they, as I say, like they, it does seem low, but it is obviously representative of the shift in how, that's all looked at and just you know the especially weird are the option years it's like you're selling off like 
two years of free agency when like you know the older you get the worse shot you have and you're giving them club options on top of that uh like it's 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 a real uh white flag from <laughs> from the agents being like yeah this is it's not going to get any better for you guys i mean they you know you could you know michael pineda still makes money and, and i mean he's coming back this year and but you know guys like that you could get hurt and still get a contract but to have that guarantee in front of you uh I guess it is. It, it's obviously the equation is, has changed a bit, and we also see that in like uh, in the the top prospects list. So I, I assume you saw the piece this week, or maybe it was last week, from uh, Ben Lindbergh, the, the Ringer piece about how you know in the, in the lists, you know the all the the guru lists, all the big you know public serv- scouting services, and mm-hmm. uh, that where the pitchers have just basically disappeared, or or more or less disappeared, or you know it used to be fifty fifty or something, or sixty forty, and now there's you know Forrest Whitley's and some top tens and maybe somebody else, but for the most part, you know the those lists are also reflecting the just the industry wide belief that uh, you know at the very top that there there is just uh, so much risk in these pitchers that that they're they're you know I think in Ben's piece he saw he talked about how you know the the, the distribution is different like there's still you know it's still about the same number of pitchers per list but they're farther back because those they're you know grouped more with riskier players because you know the elite guys with low risk are you know are what you want you want to you know that's why Vlad's at the top um mm. so yeah I mean I guess that it, it's just it's a change in the industry um but uh, Stroman's gonna have to I guess <laughs> deal with and so far uh didn't seem to to be super pleased about it no, absolutely not. And we've already done, we just went through this saying like what who would be an equivalent to Vlad who went bust. But there have been a million Forrest Whitleys who have gone bust. There's one every year. A, someone who's a top prospect or the top pick in the draft who goes who goes nowhere, yep. who has all of the tools, who's got it all the whole world in front of them. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is a guy could be a number one. He's got three plus pitches. He's big. He throws hard. He's got this. Nope. Uh, you know, we, Mark Appel is the one that comes to mind right away. Again, this is a guy that's drafted first overall, and then he kind of slid. Um, who's um, the other guy? Yeah, that. Um, I mean, Brian Taylor, if you want to go way back. Is a is a, a obviously for different reasons punching a guy. <laughs> um, even on a, a different scale, even uh, uh, the Blue Jays' current knuckleballing specialist uh, Ryan Fearabend, and you know he's a third rounder. Is a you know gets to the big leagues at age twenty, and uh, you know shit just goes sideways. Ends up uh, pitching in Korea, reinventing himself as a knuckleballer, and is now you know back. On a, a you know as a non-roster uh, invitee trying to try to catch on in Buffalo basically, uh, just so that you know some sort of opportunities are there. And th- this is a guy who you know looked. Uh, I'm looking at his numbers right now. I mean, he was never great in the big leagues, but Lucas uh, Giolito was the one that I was going to yeah. reference. Right? He was he's, again. He's six six. He uh, two years ago was like a top five prospect consensus. Um, even then there was a risk, but again, this is, he's, he's big, he throws hard, he's got three pitches and then the nationals got him up close and it was like, nope, that's not going to work for us. And they immediately traded him. They traded, they did well to trade him. 
um, when they did. And now it's like, well, you know, where, where's he at? And there's just so much, there's so much risk in, involved in pitchers that, yeah, like Mark Stroman is going to be, it's going to be hard pressed to, to recognize or to realize a lot of the value in it or, or uh, that is, was formally associated with his mm-hmm. position. And I, it got me, I, I started thinking about the, the, the opener a little bit today. I was uh, like walking and I, my, started thinking about the opener and how the opener is more of like a way to it's a way to hold salaries down but it's also it's also a way to hold salaries down (laughs) (laughs) because i mean like reliever washout reliever attrition rate is really high you know what if you're if you're a reliever how many relievers get all the way through and then get to free agency still effective still in one piece you know, if you're pitching 50, 60, 70 times a year, um, it takes a lot out of you. Well, guess what? The opener introduces a whole new set of guys who get to have shortened careers and get to make the minimum. And that's not a coincidence that the Rays are right at, way out in the front of that. Meanwhile, they get to have the guys who are decent, who would ordinarily make a lot of starts. Now they're relievers, too. I, I don't know. Anyway, uh, the, 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 the opener is, um, is bad. Uh, oh, the other thing that Marcus uh, Stroman said yeah. that will move. Sorry, were you going to say something else? Yeah, no, I was just. I mean, yeah, I mean, I get why the. I'm intrigued a little by the opener. I, you know, I get the. I don't want. I don't want the the salary shenanigans, but it's interesting. It's interesting. I mean, maybe that's just because I'm I'm thinking of the possibility of watching fucking Clayton Richer, thirty times this year, and, and if he doesn't have to face the top of an order. You know, as many times, then uh, maybe maybe there's some value to this opener thing because I sure as hell don't want to see that. Um, but yeah, anyway, I don't know. And, and it, it's a, another thing that's sort of uh, you know related is a uh, I don't know the Jays seem like they're they're collecting some multi inning relief kind of guys too, which is you know obviously mm-hmm. another way that uh, you know maybe those guys you know maybe a Trent Thornton ends up an opener or a Sean Reed Foley can't get lefties out and. Um, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. It will not. It will probably not go for the as well for the players and their salaries though as it did uh, for guys a couple years ago. So this is this dovetails into the the final point, the thing that Marcus Stroman touched on, and I think these two things are related, uh, which is Marcus Stroman noticed a lack of veterans. Mm-hmm. There are no veterans on the team, and and. Stroman put himself forward as like one of the one of the the rare veteran guys, and the thing with Stroman is he's right, especially now with Tulowitzki gone, with Russell Martin gone, Donaldson, Bautista, Encarnacion. The only real, you know, real real veterans that are around are like Smoke, Morales, and then you know Stroman, and now John Axford, who's brought into bullpen dad again for a second year. Um, but like a guy like Mark Burley, for example. Like how much of a relic already is Mark Burley? <laughs> right. Like at the end of his career, you know, before he was more, uh, more, uh, you know, 2015, he was, did he pitch in the playoffs in 2015? I'm trying to, I, I don't think those, so. No, I don't think he did. No, you're right. 2015 was like he had, was not quite as effective anymore, but he yeah. was effective for much of his time in, in Toronto and it sort of faded at the end. And that was 2015. Yeah. Cause that was, when they were, they tried to get him that start, and he couldn't yeah. even get through that extra, the couple innings. But 
like a Mark Burley is a, is a, is no more because that is an expensive luxury for a team to have win, lose or a different, which I think you used the word tanking. And I think right now there's so many teams that are absolutely indifferent to winning yeah. as much as they're trying to lose on purpose. Baseball has not incentivized losing on purpose, but it is absolutely incentivized making your team um, indifferent to winning and losing from a revenue perspective. And that's how they are. And that's how they're all operating now um, with, which is like, don't overcommit to the, to the, for the chance of winning because why bother? But there's no room for burlies. There's no room for innings eaters. There's no room for mentors. And we, uh, other, you know, Morales is sort of in that, in that mold, but he also is still, is, is an effective player. But like, is Stroman right? Do the Blue Jays maybe need more guys like that? Or has the team sort of baked it in and, and they're, they're doing it in a, with an Axford who's not even guaranteed contract, doesn't even have a guaranteed spot on the team um, when it comes to, to, to all around the diamond. Like who's, who's really teaching these, these, these young whippersnappers how to live and play? <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, Kendry's in Smoke or, and uh, uh, Kevin Pillar. There, I, and, but obviously, you know, Stroman's, you know, talking on the pitching side, I suppose. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I, maybe nobody. Mark Burley, though, for a second here. Mm-hmm. It, it was four years, $55 million he got from the Marlins in 2012, heading into his age 33 season. <laughs> it, Which is hilarious to think it about. It really, really is. Four years, um, of, like, like... Who is getting a which pitcher is getting a four year fifty five million dollar deal now? And it, certainly not anybody who's thirty three. No, but it should be said uh, that it, not nobody because uh, Nathan Eovaldi is not thirty three. He is how old is Nate Eovaldi? He's tw- uh, Nate Eovaldi is is twenty nine, and he got four years and seven sixty eight million dollars. And yeah, right. he's had Tommy John twice. And all Ivaldi had to do to get that was throw like 105 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and be, uh, especially with the Red Sox, an unhittable monster who struck out, uh, well, not even that many strikeouts, only 48 strikeouts in 54 innings. Like, yeah, that's not even that. In many. today's world, that ain't shit. That's why you only got seventeen million per. But, uh, but yeah, like that's that's yeah. There's no who's lining up. Yeah, like you said, to give Mark Burley four years at that advanced age, given what he can do. The, the game has changed so much so fast, and and maybe these are the the you know the, he he's the casualty of that change, and and Stroman. Is maybe seeing the writing on the wall, and if you if you're a ground ball pitcher, a guy who is uh, maybe could, throws a whole the kitchen sink up there like Stroman does, yeah, maybe your career prospects are hanging in the balance. So yeah, you're obviously going to speak out on it and and t- t- couch it in terms that that makes sense. Again, I think he did it. It was a very much like a plea to the hearts of of sympathetic fans who are going to hear it a certain way. Uh, but it's, I don't know, it, it would be nice if there were more 
sure things. But I guess maybe that's the the whole point that there are even today there are no sure things. There are no innings eaters anymore. There's no value. Maybe is there no value in that? Is is having a, a Gio Gonzalez like circa three years ago? Is it without any value whatsoever? I mean, there's value if you're bad and you don't have anybody else to uh, <laughs> to to take up those innings, right? I mean, you, the the game is gonna you you want to get through the game at some point. You don't want to have, have games go, you know, on forever and ever. I mean, that's why Clayton Richards here, right? I mean, Richard is here. <laughs> I, I mean, somebody and handed hand a spot in the rotation. Yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, to a to a good team, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's it's quite remarkable that 2015 Mark Burley, you know, made 32 starts <laughs> uh, for what was like the greatest baseball team people in this city have watched for you know for at least 20 years and maybe maybe even better than that you know I mean that's obviously saying that's sacrilegious but uh, uh, but you know just go, going out there fucking. What do you have? Ninety-one strikeouts in one hundred ninety-eight innings, uh, just doing his Mark Burley thing, and it's like, oh yeah, three eighty-one ERA, and and, and uh, just and fifteen wins. Everybody, the, the Blue Jays, killing everybody. He was the perfect. It was the perfect time and place. He was the perfect guy to sit there and just be like, yeah, don't worry, I'll keep it within. I'll keep it respectable. Don't worry about me. <laughs> Well, and they had Dickey too, right? I mean, they had two guys like that who, yeah, that it doesn't feel like the. You're right that the you know the great teams at the moment have. I mean, they have guys who will pitch a lot of innings, but but they'll do so because they're fucking great. Or their their innings eaters are like Rick Porcello and David Price. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or they're the Yankees who won a hundred games without getting anything from Gary Sanchez. And uh, and and with Stanton only putting up four wins, I don't know, and getting nothing from behind the plate, and and having you know a really now their rotation is going to have James Paxton all year long. Sorry, now their rotation is going to have like James Paxton all year long and Jay Happ all year long, and that ridiculous Zach Britton bullpen. Yeah, fuck. The Yankees are, and they won a hundred games. They won a hundred games, <laughs> yeah. and today, because he gave up a home run in live BP, their the Yankee fans were killing Tanaka. I saw online, like, oh, it must be like he's in mid mid season form, giving up home runs to Greg Bird. I'm like, they you want a hunt? Fuck, I'm so mad at the Yankees right now. I couldn't imagine they did sign Machado. Everyone's mad at them for not, but if they did, I would be so so mad. Yeah, no. Absolutely. Because they, they'd be so good. But anyway, we've gone on long enough. We've gone on long enough and talked about very, very little other than, of course, uh, my FIFA online habits, which are uh, exciting. Very exciting. But uh, that's it. You got anything else to add? I got, I got nothing, no. Uh, if you are a Patreon subscriber, you would have seen uh, the third edition of the uh, Vlad Guerrero newsletter go out on Monday, Tuesday. Went out on Tuesday because everyone, no one was working on Monday, so I didn't send an email because no one reads emails when they don't have to. So, going to keep those coming, uh, hopefully picking up as the season gets close. Uh, another of our the vlog I'm working on. It's been very slow going, and I I don't know if I apologize because I don't know why anybody actually cares. But if you do care, thank you, 
Thank you for subscribing, and uh, they'll see that video when it's out. And if you don't get the Vlad, the Vlad Religion newsletter and you want to, you can sign up uh, at Patreon, and then I'll get your, your information, and then you'll, uh, you'll have it, right? That's, that's how that works, yeah. That's how that works. That is exactly how that works. So, uh, so keep your eyes peeled on your email inbox. You keep your eyes peeled on uh, The Athletic, where Stoughton writes. And uh, keep your eyes peeled on YouTube, because maybe it'll be one of those, too. So, for Andrew Stoughton, my name is Drew Fairservice. We'll talk to you next time on Birds All Day. Mm-hmm.